Hello, and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast, and the first of our series of retrospectives on Sailor Moon, the incredibly influential and beloved shoujo magical girl series. Uh, I'm Vry Kaiser. I'm an editor and contributor at Anime Feminist. You can also find me on Twitter, where I do all kinds of stuff, at writer Vry. Um, or at TrashPod, where I do another podcast. Would you guys like uh, to introduce yourselves? Yeah, hi, I'm Dee, the managing editor at AniFem. Uh, you can find all of my writing on my anime blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can hang out with me on Twitter, at Jose Next Door. Hi, I'm Ann Lee. I'm the creator of ShoujoPower.com, where I talk about Sailor Moon through a feminist lens and more. You can find me at, at ShoujoPower on Twitter, and I'm a contributor to Anime Feminist. Yeah, thanks so much for, for joining us today. You're, you're definitely the person who talks about Sailor Moon, I think. You were the first person we thought of and we were like, let's do some let's do some retrospectives. Who can we get on as a guest? It was like, oh, Anne. It's, yeah. it's gotta be Anne. <laughs> it, it's, it's on her Twitter picture and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, like, I am totally obsessed uh i started strojopower.com about five years ago and i just knew that like there'd just be tons of stuff to talk about with with sailor moon like not all there's like so many uh different media properties with sailor moon from like the manga the live action show the anime the reboot and uh just uh so i'm st- five years i'm still i'm still here talking about it <laughs> so <laughs> there is a lot of material there which is why we kind of had to parcel these, you know, it's too long for our traditional watch-along format, but we couldn't just do the whole franchise in one podcast. That would be an unfair nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so the, the series ran, uh, the manga began in 1991 and ran till 1997, and the anime was basically parallel for most of it. It started in 1992 and ended in 1997. And today we are only going to be talking about the first 46 episodes, uh, the, the, the classic Sailor Moon anime, which was directed by Junichi Sato, who went on to uh, direct Princess Tutu, uh, Pretear. Uh, he's currently the series director for Hugto Precure, which a lot of people seem to be very into and say is good. So, thumbs up. Uh, Ikuhara, who is, you know, m- maybe most famously associated with the anime, didn't actually come in until R as a co-series director. So. He directed some episodes in season one, though. He was there from the beginning. Gotcha. Right, he directed the very excellent Rhett Butler episode, didn't he? <gasps> Did he? I take that. I qu- don't quote anyone on that, folks. Um, I'm not 100% <laughs> yeah, don't. sure. Okay. Uh, do, do not quote me, but I, I seem to... That was a good episode, is the thing. <laughs> We're, we're, we're talking about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So I kind of wanted to start on this one since it's our first with our personal experiences of, you know, how we each got into the series. And did you want to go first? Sure. So I guess I got into Sailor Moon right when it started to air in America. So that would have been like September of 1995. Uh, I was about 11 years old at the time, and I was, like, totally into, like, Greek mythology, astronomy, and, like, one early morning before school, I was, like, channel surfing, and, like, there was this girl named Sailor Mercury who was, you know, throwing bubbles. So, uh, I was just like, this is my jam, and, like, it's been, like, you know, I've been obsessed ever since, so. It's adorable. Yeah, I was pretty young, too. I, I remember, 
you know, being in, in hotel rooms and trying really hard to catch it. I, I think it was in reruns, uh, early morning reruns of the original Saban version. And I was like five. Uh, but I, my really clear memory is, is for some, is like making a, a blanket fort around the TV when I was like six years old. So I could watch black lady episodes of all things. <laughs> and I was super into the, uh, you know, tried as religiously as I could to catch the the Clover run on Toonami when it got mm, into S and such. Mm, yeah. Like, I used to, like, go into my basement and watch it on our basement TV. Like, I don't know what was wrong. Like, I think it was, like, my little secret or I was slightly embarrassed about watching it. Cause I, I was 11 <laughs> years old at the time. So maybe, like, I wasn't supposed to be watching cartoons. But uh, mm. yeah, I, I had to actually wake up super early because I had to make the bus. So my dad was really weirded out. He was like, why are you, Why is my 11-year-old child waking up early to watch TV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really yeah. it was really hard to catch. My experience is, I think, extremely different from most Sailor Moon fans. And I will consider myself a Sailor Moon fan. I like the series a lot. Um, so when I was younger, I got into Pokemon and then kind of started watching Toonami stuff, and Sailor Moon aired during the hour after school when I was doing extracurriculars. So I didn't really get into it, but I had a couple of friends who were big into it, and so I tried to watch it. But by the time I tried to watch the dub, I had been existing on the internet, and I knew that they had edited it and censored a bunch of stuff, and the very, I don't know, I will always remember this, the very first episode I caught was was the one where, like, Michiru comes out of the bath in, like, a bath towel and is, like, leaning down very suggestively next to Haruka, and they're having, like, a moment between each other. <laughs> and the whole time I'm like, these aren't cousins. <laughs> Shut up, Sailor Moon. These aren't cousins. Um, <laughs> and it, it was one of those things where I was like, ugh, I don't want to watch this dubbed. I'll just wait until the sub is readily available. Because at that point, it felt like it was going to happen pretty quick. Well, it didn't. It didn't happen for like 10 years. So I never, I didn't get into Sailor Moon as a kid. Yeah. Um, I, and then when, so when I was graduating from grad school, I knew I wanted to start writing about anime and like doing a blog. And right as I was graduating, Viz announced that they were going to be re-releasing Sailor Moon uncut on Hulu two episodes a week. And I was like, oh crap, there's a good first blog project. I've always wanted to watch that show. Um, so I started watching it and doing, uh, like, recaps slash commentaries about uh, the episodes as they aired. And so I did that for two years, solid, um, because there's a lot of episodes of Sailor Moon. And I I got yeah. really oh, into yeah. it, and I had a really good time with it. And I'm watching it as, you know, like a 26, 27-year-old. And um, so, again, very different experience, I think, from a lot of folks. But um, it was great. I had a really good time. So... I imagine people will find that heartening, you know, who haven't watched it since it's, they were it's kids. It's one that I think is a hard, it's a hard sell for if you don't, if you're not already an anime fan. Like, I wouldn't give it to an adult as their first anime. Um, I would, I think you could still give it to a kid mm -hmm. as their first anime or a preteen. Um, right. with, with a little yeah. bit of understanding about, like, it was made in the 90s, so there's a couple of things that aren't great. Um, although it ages remarkably well, which I'm sure we'll talk about today as well. But, like, if you're a, if you're a long, you know, if you've been an anime fan for a while and Sailor Moon is like, yeah, watch it. Like, I think you'll still get a lot out of it. Um, cause again, it is, it is surprisingly, it holds up surprisingly well, I think. Um, and that was actually how Brian and I met. So extra, extra bonus was meeting through yeah. the Sailor Moon reviews. Aww. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you had just started doing the Zoicide episodes, and I was just always, always thirsty for people to talk <laughs> about my boy. The The only sad thing I'm sad for you is that you missed out on the, um, do you remember that ring of episode or uh, that ring of websites in the 90s that was like the, you know, ex-anime uncensored um, sites 
where they would like catalog the dub and then list like time codes and all of the things that had been changed or cut. I followed those websites re- like religiously, especially for mm-hmm. for Sailor Moon and uh, Cardcaptor Sakura. We had we had something similar to that in the Pokemon franchise, so I feel you. Yes, I remember that site. That was that was my fandom. Pokemon was very much my thing when I was younger. Uh, but you're never too late to become a Moonanite. So I even went and saw the 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 movies on the big screen these past oh. few weeks with a couple of friends who have been fans since they were kids, and so the three of us got together and it was really fun. So definitely think we'll have to make some time to talk about the movies when we get to their respective seasons. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, and as a, a, a final uh, note, even if you've been out of anime for a while, I, I watched this. Um, I, my most recent rewatch of this season was uh, with my wife who likes anime, but is mostly a fan of the older stuff and is watching, uh, was watching Sailor Moon for the first time. And she had a, a real good time too. We watched the new dub, which is pretty good, honestly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so definitely a different experience. Like, you have an e- English-speaking, you know, cast, but, like, the old uh, original music. So it, it g- definitely gives this, like, retro feel, I feel, about mm-hmm. watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Have either of you watched the uh, the redub? I have not, no. I, I went ahead and, and I was I watched the Viz dub, dub because uh, I bought all of the releases. So I was like, well, I, I need to, like, actually watch it. So. Yeah, no, it's. If you like dubs at all, honestly, I'd recommend it. Obviously, it's not the same as the original Japanese cast who, you know, inevitably when you get performers who have lived in these roles for that long, it's going to be something special. But but it's good, which I think is a good experience, uh, a good way to lead into talking about I, the main characters where, I, you know, I, I think everybody knows the premise of this show, but I thought it might be interesting to talk about sort of where the characters are, not for the whole franchise, but just in this first season. And, you know, if you'd forgotten stuff about, um, about, oh yeah, this doesn't happen till later, or, you know, gosh, this character had re- was established really strongly out right off the bat, or some really good character episodes that you liked, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think, I think original Sailor Moon is very much an origin story. And uh, in some ways, I'm glad I came into it as an adult, because I think if I had watched it as a kid, I would have just hated Usagi. Um, And that's not an I think that's more a knock on me than it is on Usagi is I just didn't have patience for, you know, for like kind of imperfect heroines. Like I liked I liked your sort of out of the box badasses growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. And Usagi is not that. Um, she kind of gets thrown into this role and she's a bit of a crybaby and she's, um, and it takes a while to kind of understand her, her, her good points, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching it as an adult, I had a lot more sympathy for her. Cause I'm like, yeah, I mean, she's 14 and she's suddenly having to fight monsters and she's doing her best, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I had the same experience when we did the Shigi Yugi watch along in that I have, a, I have a lot more sympathy, I think for, for some of these, um, these these teen girl characters from the 90s who were sort of hapless and struggling early on and then sort of learn how to you know mature and take responsibility for their actions and and become heroes and so uh that that's kind of one thing that i'm i'm happy about with the series is um that i was able to you know give usagi a little bit more credit than i think i would have growing up Mm -hmm. yeah she's definitely a character where there's this when you're little and kind of i think looking for wish fulfillment figures she, she can be very frustrating, but but as an adult, just oh oh, this child is doing her best and she's trying to be a good friend. Oh yeah, I uh when I was growing up, I actually um 
I, I really liked Usagi that she wasn't a perfect heroine. And I, I think maybe that was because uh, I was like the oldest kid in my family and I was the only girl, c- kind of like Usagi. And, and you know, I just, you know, there was just like really high expectations for me. And so like, I always kind of felt like I wasn't meeting people's expectations. So like, I really related that like she, she was the superhero, but she was also totally like a screw up and she was scared and whatnot. So I actually have had friends. They're like, why do you like Sailor Moon? Like, why don't you like Wonder Woman? And like, you know, for me growing up, like Wonder Woman was this like adult woman with like, a perfect body with rolling like toned arms and like I didn't relate to that at all so uh even though I love you know I love Xena Warrior Princess Buffy and stuff like that but uh I, I loved how like Usagi was this very silly comedic character yeah I feel like this retro retroactive need to apologize to Usagi almost because you know as a kid I went through that thing that I think a lot of AFAB trans people do, where, like, you you are aggressively anti-feminine things, and you fall really hard into the not-like-other-girls phase, because you're not a girl, but... but So I was just, like, I, I, I very much loved Mako and, and Haruka later, but I, I was just... I had no time for, you know, Usagi, who likes pink things and cute bunnies and wants to grow up and be a housewife, and I, I'm sorry, Usagi, you're a good girl, and I believe in you. <laughs> Yeah, I I uh, I had a similar experience as, as someone who was you know kind of kind of pushing back against a lot of those feminine expectations. Where, like you said, I didn't have a lot of patience for characters like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard for me to say who I probably would have uh, linked up to as a kid. I think Ami and Makoto probably would have been my favorites, um, and Ami still is my favorite. So some things don't change. Aww. So good. I uh, yeah, I mean, I have a. Obviously, I've always I've always liked the smart kids because I was the I was the the nerdy smart kid growing up, and so anytime she defeats things with science um, or empathy, but then she also my favorite thing about Ami is that she also like struggles with her self confidence despite the fact that she is so freaking awesome and everyone around her knows it, and I I, I think that's again something that. I really enjoyed about Sailor Moon watching it was the way because I think if Usagi was the only character. Um, was like you know if she was the girl like is so often the case in a lot of uh, TV series or, or pieces of fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would have as positive an opinion of her because she does slot into a lot of these kind of um, traditional ideas about like you know what it is to be a girl or be feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, but because the cast has all these different personalities, you've got you know Ami who's very intelligent wants to be a doctor. You've got Ray who's you know a, a firebrand uh, with a short temper who you know wants to be like just wants to do everything basically. Um, Makoto who can both you know make adorable lunches and then also judo flip you. Uh, Venus who wants to be like a pop star and Venus is a very cool character who I feel like we're not really going to be able to dig into her arc until later seasons. Um, mm-hmm. but I think having all those different personalities, you know, was a good way of showing like there is more than one way to be a heroine. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. And I really and and the fact that they all get along, like you know, I mean, they they squabble, but at the end of the day, they all really like each other. So it wasn't there wasn't that sense of like not like other girls, like you were talking about Vry, because mm-hmm. there were all these different kinds of girls, and they could all be friends and work together to you know, defeat evil, and I think that's really, really nice. Yeah, the friendship stories are so good. Like, it, it it's just heartwarming and heart-melting, and, and like, the, the fact that they keep coming back to how much, you know, these girls like each other and support each other, even when they don't really get 
what the other what you know what one of their friends is going through they still want to to be supportive and it's just nice and you know it's really funny going back and watching this um so like uh ray starts dating mamaru and back in the day like i hated this i hated this you know terrible but going back and watching the whole thing i never realized that nobody really knew that you know ray liked Mamaru. So when it comes to the time when it's all revealed that Mamaru and Osagi are these like destined lovers, mm-hmm. nobody knows that Ray like liked him, and she- Ray's having a moment, and the only person who really picks up on it is Makoto. And there's just like these, there's this really touching, you know, scene between them, and I just like did not catch that when I was a kid, and like mm-hmm. I, I kind of I love that storyline so much more now because it really shows them supporting one another and Ray, you know, kind of just coming to terms with like, no, they're destined to each other and I'm okay with that. So. Uh. Yeah. I thought, um, I think, I think the first season of Sailor Moon builds on itself very well because I think there's a lot in that early, early, probably 24, 22 ish episodes. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. And then right around the part where uh, good old Zoe site becomes kind of the main baddie. I think it really starts to click and figure out what it's doing. And so, like, like you said, like, Ray dating Mamaru in a way where Mamaru seems confused. Yeah. Fact, he's not quite sure that they're dating or what's going on. Anytime you see them together, he's like, he has this look like, I just went out to buy some eggs and now she's here. <laughs> yeah. What happened? Um, but I think the way they, the way they kind of resolve that where it doesn't, like, there's, there's some early, like, love triangle type squabbling, I think. But then when it gets to the point where you know, they have to kind of come to terms with, like, these aren't just crushes, this is kind of serious. There are some really nice moments where Ray... Because I think there's an episode, it's been a few years since I rewatched it, I actually reread my recaps before doing this, so I'd be, uh, you know, fresher on the episodes. Um, but there's an episode where they, like, go up to a, a ski slope, and Usagi and Ray get, like, trapped in a canyon or something, and they kind of have this heart-to-heart where Ray's like, yeah, I really did like him, but I can see how that you two are meant for each other and that he's really important to you. So I'm okay. Like I support this relationship. And it's just a really nice um, moment of kind of eschewing that idea of like, you know, uh, girls got to compete for the man. It was like, no, our friendship is the more important Mm. thing. So I'm perfectly willing to step aside for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mamoru's whole existence is very, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't like him. I think he's bland when he's not kind of a creep. And basically the entire positive influence of his role in the plot is, well, I guess he makes these these nice girls that I like happy. I'm glad that they got what they wanted. <laughs> Mamoru is pretty much an asshole for the first, like, 20 episodes. Like, just a raging asshole. Um... And I don't think, and again, we can. This is something we'll talk about in later in later podcasts too. I don't think they really figure out what to do with him until S, mm-hmm. because by the end of the series, I did like him, but it took a while. Um, at this point, I, I agree with you, Brian. I don't. I didn't have much of a connection with Mamaru. Tuxedo Mask, on the other hand, <laughs> I love so much. <laughs> I feel like that um, that one Sailor Moon abridged joke is is completely ubiquitous now. The the my work here is done, but you didn't do anything. That's <laughs> true. He's he's the team cheerleader. He comes in to tell them that they can do it and to believe in themselves, and then he swoops out of the frame. And he's usually posed atop something amazing. Sometimes he's driving a bus for no reason. Yeah, um, he's. He's the best. I, Mamaru's, uh, sorry, not Mamaru. Uh, Mamaru's just meh. Uh, tuxedo masks, like, just 
glorious levels of extra were um, a big selling point for me early in the series because I think they, I think he's a good example of the creators not taking the show a hundred percent seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time when you're dealing with you know kind of kind of inherently like monster of the week type stories, I think having a sense of humor about your own presence, your own uh, premise is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I think the series strikes this really good balance of like when it cares about its characters. Like the things its characters are going through are important. Mm-hmm. The like monster fights and some of the superhero type stuff is kind of silly. And we're going to have fun with that. So, you know, here's here's a dude flinging roses and standing on top of tall structures. And how did he get up there? Don't worry about it. I think it's one of the very few instances where, like, a bunch of male creators got into a room and they were just like, we don't really want to talk about the guy. Like, if, if we can talk about the least at least possible like that'd be great let's just focus on the girls like i that's what like there's been some rumors saying that the director like really didn't like mamaru that's why he kind of got like pushed to the side a bit but uh i I have heard that ikuhara totally hated him (laughs) supposedly ikuhara wanted to kill him off like over and over again and they wouldn't let him that's that's the rumor again take that with a grain of salt but yeah i i have i have also heard that um which i you know i think it's again it's early on like they definitely wanted to make a show that was you know for girls to or I shouldn't say four girls because I think guys can and should enjoy this show mm-hmm. um, and non-binary folks and everybody. Um, it was, tar- you know, target demographic was, you know, preteen girls. And I think they, and there was this focus on, you know, uh, you too can be, you know, heroes yeah. and awesome and, you know, run around saving the day. And so I think that Mamaru kind of gets slotted into that role that the female love interest often does in series where he's just kind of there mm-hmm. uh, to get kidnapped and stabbed a lot. Uh, I think he only gets stabbed twice in this season, but it's going to keep happening. <laughs> and I, I appreciate that gender role reversal. Like at this point, I think if I was watching a show in 2018 where this was happening, I would be kind of annoyed. Like I'd rather there be more equality between the two. Mm-hmm. But because this was coming out in the 90s and feels like it is in some ways a response to, you know, uh, Sentai stories and other kind of heroic stories that had come before it, I sort of like that. I like that role re- reversal mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I also think it it helps mitigate the fact that and we haven't talked about this, and we definitely should. Mm-hmm. Mamoru is in college. Yeah, yeah, I, sir, you are a creep. I just I don't even know why they did that. Like, it still to this day perplexes me. Like, I, like in the manga, he is a high schooler. He is seventeen, mm-hmm. and I just even then, like, if there was a seventeen year old dating my fourteen year old daughter, I would probably have a problem with that. But like what like a 22 at least they're both still teenagers in secondary uh, school right i don't i just yeah i i i can't i uh i can't even yeah (laughs) i I do i doff my cap to that one like self-aware moment the anime has where motoki and mamoru are having a a conversation and and you know uh the episode where where mako and asagi are both trying to get motoki's attention and he's like yeah i I like them as as like my little sisters i think they're adorable what like what kind of creep adult would go after 14 year old yeah yeah he says he says like he says like i'm not gonna date a junior high school student in this voice like why did i even have to say that obviously <laughs> and then mamaru thinks of ray and gets very uncomfortable and i'm like you should you, you should, should get very uncomfortable it's weird um it's but it's one of those things where for whatever and I par- probably partly because it's an older series um and i also think because there's extenuating circumstances. There's a whole reincarnated romance element to it and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think the fact that the series works very hard to 
balance the power between the two of them. Like, in real life, there is no universe where I would be okay with uh, a 14-year-old dating a Mm -hmm. 20-year-old. But in in the context of this fantastical series... Mamoru is the one who is constantly getting, like I said, stabbed and kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and Usagi is constantly having to save his ass. So I think that it makes it easier for me to look at it and go, well, yeah, this is a problem, but um, it didn't, it kind of stopped bothering me pretty early in the series. Um, I don't know if it was the same one. I, well, I think it, it's helpful that it's not really remarked upon too much. Like, I, I think growing up, I didn't even realize that he was a college student, student because you don't even see him at college. Like, he's mm-hmm. just walking down the street. Like, that's about it, you know? Like, that's all he does is he walks in front of the arcade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He doesn't have any nope. friends, so just walking in front of the arcade. Yeah, it it is one of those things that I can kind of tune out while I'm watching and, and stop thinking about it. Like in like in the abstract sense, it definitely creeps me out. But like you said, the fact that it's an older series and and specifically, I think the fact that it's such a non it, it's such a small part of the '90s series. Honestly, it's one of the things that majorly turned off, me off of Crystal. Is even though Crystal restores the fact that he's a high school student, the just focus on it to the detriment of all all those good good friendships it, it just mm-hmm. can't but as like that's also a good point it's not the be all end all of the series there's there's always more than one thing going on with usagi and it's usually like a friendship story and a romance story mm-hmm. yeah so it's, it's one of those things that i'm like well i don't care for this but it, the 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 confluence of how it's handled and how ancillary of a point it is is i can yeah, whatever. And and like I I can't even throw too much shade because when I was a little kid, I was like really emotionally caught up in the Naru and Nephrite story. I was gonna a- I was gonna segue into that. So good job. <laughs> like, which is such a bad thing all over, but it gave me a feeling in my heartbeat. <laughs> I think a lot of people feel the same way as you do. Yeah, I. uh so like I said, I was rereading over my recaps and I had forgotten how surprisingly upset I was at the end of that arc. Um, and it wasn't that I thought they were a good couple. I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I have a lot of sympathy for Naru in that. I think that arc does a really good job of showing like what it's like to have a crush on somebody you know you shouldn't. Because mm-hmm. she does, you know, but she still likes him. And so um, how that relationship kind of kind of works out. I'm also a sucker for a redemption story uh-huh. Nefrite was so boring yeah he was so no, boring. not my favorite if i <laughs> if i hadn't been watching like jadeite had style uh, he didn't have a personality but he had style with his schemes uh if i had not been recapping sailor moon i'm not sure i would have made it through the Nefrite oh, episodes, yeah. mm-hmm. which would have been a shame because there's so much good stuff that comes after them um so i'm over here just like begging for him to die so zoe site can take over and things can get fun again and then all of a sudden you give me this like two episode arc where he starts to develop like a heart and a personality and starts to give a crap about other people and then you murder him and i was very upset (laughs) which surprised me i think that was the first time sailor moon like surprised me with an emotion which it would continue to do as i watched it yeah and i think you raise a good point is that like similarly to how i feel about mamoru in that i don't care about him but i am glad that this is a thing that makes usagi happy i think naru's story works because it's not really about nephrite it's about naru's emotional Mm. response to all of it yeah yeah. As we all know, the the best villain is is Zoisite. It is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he 100%. is. 100%. I have so many feelings about this shitlord boy. Tell us your feelings. <laughs> yes. 
Well, like, uh, it, for those of you who are younger and may not know, um, Zoocyte was was censored in the original 90s dub. They gave him a female voice actress uh, because, no, 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 nothing gay going on here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but he he's also just the kind of character that I absolutely adore, who's kind of shitty and, you know, selfish and, and petulant and evil but but really pathetic the more you dig like once you dig like even an inch <laughs> under the surface and i and and with somebody they like one person they really really care about and the rest of the world can burn like that's that's right where i live that is the nanami zone <laughs> <laughs> he's a really good character i i mean he's first of all he's super fun mm-hmm. um his like he just does not like you spend these. You spend the first like twenty-two episodes of the Jadeite and Nephrite like trying to hide their personalities and wearing all these disguise, these like very transparent disguises, and then Zoeyshite shows up and his like first episode he just like pops up in front of the sailors, is like, "Sup? I'm Zoeyshite. I'm fighting you now." And I was like, "I love you. You don't give a shit, and it's amazing." Uh, his relationship with Tuxedo Mask is incredible mm-hmm. during his stretch of episodes. Um, they are flirt fighting i'm pretty sure um they just they keep because they're fighting over those um oh god what are they called rainbow crystals uh, the seven monsters arc Ra- yes the rainbow mm-hmm. crystals um and there's that that whole seven monsters arc is incredible like mm-hmm. that it's just it's just episode after episode that is so good um so again i'm very glad i stuck i stuck it out through the nephrite uh episodes mm-hmm. um but their relationship is really fun. His, it's yeah. Every time he shows up, like the two of them just snipe at each other, and it's amazing. Um, and then, and then I love I. This is and I. I know we're gonna have a conversation about this, so let's just have it now. <laughs> um, there is something inherently problematic about having a villainous character who is who is gay and is the only character on the show thus far who is gay. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the thing? I mean, one, it was the '90s. Two, the thing I really kind of enjoy about. That though is the most humanizing characteristic for Zoe Sight and Kunzite is that they love yeah. each other. Like that is what humanizes mm-hmm. them as characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like yes, it's part of a long and problematic history of of villainous gay characters, but I don't tend to get mad at them because it it is their humanizing factor. It is what makes them likable and sympathetic to the audience, which is in such contrast to basically everything at the time where the fact that they are gay or gay coded makes them spookier or scarier. Oh my God, they might try to hit on the protagonist. And like, Zoicide is definitely flirting with Tuxedo Mask in an anger way, but it's not in like a, ooh, this is what makes, you know, it, it's not in a way that is making him uncomfortable. Like that's Tuxedo not- Tuxedo Mask is flirting back. <laughs> right. So. Right, like it's the, the entire framing of it is so very different. And I'm going to write a piece on this one of these days i swear to god um but it's, it's just so good and and it makes me so depressed that the fandom doesn't seem to care about this continuity in that relationship at all like it's just it's just uh shitano senshi as far as the eye can see and like five kunzite and zoe site fix and i'm just depressed oh, no. <laughs> oh that is upsetting yeah right because it, it is it's just like it's i i i always get kind of bummed out by Sailor Moon's tendency to like here are our adora here are our really sympathetic mini bosses and now they're all dead like all the way up until Super S but it's definitely like it's well written I I like Kunzite's such a dick too <laughs> is is another problem if you want to go into that Kunzite is the most metal of the Sailor Moon. I would agree. Uh, villains. Yeah, totally metal. Um, all of his, all of his spells, all of his spells and things are like crushing darkness, <laughs> and I just imagined him growling all of it. Um, and there's like lightning. He poses with lightning behind him all the time. 
Um, but again, the thing that I think is kind of kind of fun about Kunzite is that his sort of motivation for the second half of the series is after Beryl kills Zoeside and I sit on the floor and cry for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was so upset. I, although so although when I, I was watching uh, earlier this week, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on Zoeside's deathbed, Coons like said, you know, I, tr- I tried hard to save you and I'm just like, Coons like, you did not try hard enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> insignificant oh. attempts were made. He said, no, wait, don't stop. Uh, right before Beryl shot him in the chest. Um, but then he misdirects his anger at the scouts, and so like his motivation the entire yeah. second arc is like, I'm going to get revenge on you for being the reason Zoe Side's dead. And I'm like, well, actually, it's your boss that's the reason, but okay. Yeah. Um, but again, it was it was that sort of humanizing factor of he's not just doing this because he's a bad guy who does evil things. And I love to like, point out, too, like, Kunzite says, I love you to Zoisite. Like several mm-hmm. times, and I just I don't know. I think that's pretty awesome because because you know yeah. Kunzite is like this like really tough stoic dude, and he says I love you to Zoisite several times. Yeah. The 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 new dub the Viz redub also kind of sweetened up their dialogue a little bit, oh. which I am fully in favor of. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, and it on a meta level, I, I enjoy the kind of headcanon that's like the only reason the the only possible explanation besides we need the series to go on for more episodes that um that kunzite goes from very very deadly and nearly kills all of um all of the senshi right off the bat to i don't know fucking something with a princess school is that he just wants to die I could, I could see that. Usagi, in fact, I think in their final fight with him, she tries to heal him, and he shouts. He says something to the effect of, like, you will never make me cry out, refresh! <laughs> Just what all the other villains did. So they actually have to, like, defeat him, defeat him. Um, and, 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 and I think, isn't his, I think his, like, last line is like, I'm coming to meet you, Zoe Sight, and I was like, aww, yeah. somebody write that fanfic. There's fucking no reincarnation fic fandom, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, come on, guys, get on the ball. They're adorable. I, yeah, I like to this day. I have a lot of feelings about them, as you can tell. Again, I was watching this at like you know the age of twenty six, twenty seven, however old I was, and uh, I was I could not. Again, one, there was another moment where I was like, I could not believe how upset I was <laughs> that this goofy villain on this cartoon uh, had died, and his boyfriend was sad. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I wish you. I hope you guys. I hope you guys get reincarnated and everything works out. Yeah. It's good. It's good. That's like the one thing like norm on the whole I I honestly very much prefer the 90s anime to the manga and the other versions, but the one thing I was always kind of bummed that didn't make it into the the 90s anime was the whole we were brainwashed element. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. That feels like cuz they they work so cuz the direction works so hard to make them sympathetic. Well, Nephrite and so it's not not Jedi. Jedi just has style. <laughs> yeah. But but it like completely bypasses this this one other element and just kind of implies that they were always sort of evil. Yeah, it doesn't really dig into their uh backstories. The later seasons will do a better job, I think, of the sympathetic villains. Um mm-hmm. but I think Zoe Sat and Kunzite are very much where that begins. Um and I, I don't know what the uh Anna, maybe you've done some research on this. I don't know what the fan reaction was like in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I would say they, they definitely were fairly popular over here, it seems like, so. Hmm, I'm not really sure. But I guess I would have to say about that, I think 
the revelation that they were, uh, you know, Endymion's generals came pretty late in the game. So maybe they just felt like they just didn't want to tackle that part by that time. Possibly. Mm, because of the parallel run. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That's true too, since the two stories were coming out side by side. Um yeah, I could I could definitely see that. And they were and they were killing them off faster than I think they died in the manga. Um Yeah, yeah. Well they were killed off in the uh, manga. Like Jedi is dispatched quite quickly. Uh each one oh, of them okay. are uh, killed off one by one in the manga. Okay. Yeah. It's been ages since I read the since I read it's the okay. manga, so I I couldn't remember for mm-hmm. sure there. Um But I know there's I know in the manga there's kind of a big reveal that they were like the four of them were perfectly paired up with the Sailor Senshi, and I do kind of appreciate... I, I very much actually appreciate that the 90s anime ignored that point. I hate um, that so much. With a because hate. Sorry. I like that Usagi's friends are, are single, and the focus on their story arc is friendship, because I, I like stories like that, so... <laughs> I mean, I think you could do some interesting, inter- interesting things with it, but, like, no version of... Sailor Moon has really tackled it in an interesting way. Like, and I was really hoping Crystal was going to tackle it in a really interesting way. And <laughs> as, as, as Ryan's cackling, like, yeah, like it just went totally the opposite direction. My memory of Crystal is that they showed up, were like, we were secretly your boyfriends. And then like, I think they just got exploded immediately. Pretty like, much. no, but they come back on in, in a, special su- fucking i hate it i hate it so much <laughs> i hate it um yeah we should probably not talk too much about crystal because i don't want to rain on anybody's parade but uh we, yeah but, we don't yeah, we don't think i'm not sure if i'm not sure anyone on this call was a huge fan of it we can move on <laughs> yeah uh so let us talk instead about um you know, a small moment of spotlight for rhett butler and the other very good monster of the week episodes because like yeah i was actually gonna suggest um speaking of zoe site and that whole um seven monsters arc which is where rhett butler shows up um kind of kind of zeroing in on that because i think that's when sailor moon really finds its stride Mm -hmm. and i also think that's because that's really the first time we see this idea of people getting people getting turned into monsters because of like it ties into like they have their own insecurities or issues that have to get worked out and so then the scouts show up and they don't just kill a monster they like make people better mm-hmm. and and i think that continues from that point on through the show just about um where you you consistently see them not just fighting monsters but like fighting people who are you know dealing with problems of their own and and in you know sort of this grand kind of magical metaphysical sense and then the scouts come along and they and they sort of help them with those issues and i I really like that concept because I think it provides more nuance to the show and um, leans into this, leans into kind of the central idea that I think will eventually become Sailor Moon, which is, you know, Usagi's greatest strength is her super friendship powers, like her compassion and her empathy for others and mm-hmm. her, you know, willingness to listen and try to help folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that arc, I think that arc is where we first kind of start to see that happening. Yeah, it, where it, it has just these, and I think a lot of anime took took notes from what Sailor Moon does so well here with these very memorable characters of the week and these nice little thematic mini plots and that yeah led to that tie into you know maybe something the girls are also going through or maybe just like an object lesson type thing and then it leads into these very good aesthetic monster designs and Mm -hmm. 
So, so when I was like watching this again, I just kind of realized like the way that Sailor Moon is written, it's almost kind of written like an adult drama, like um, like touched by an angel kind of sort of like. Oh my god! <laughs> if anybody remembers that show from the nineties, like kind of this like it's where some people are having some problems, whatever. Like Sailor Moon and the in the Guardians swoop in, they kind of like solve the situation and then they kind of like peace out. And I think that's why this show kind of like maybe ages so well is because it's it's not like it is a show for kids, but it also is kind of straddle like it's keeping the parents interested as well, I think. And uh, I think, yeah, definitely it starts with midway through the show, like once Sailor Jupiter shows up, that's when the Rainbow Crystal arc starts. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was actually an arc that... um, so when it first aired in America, like they only had a certain number of shows. So they just like re-ran everything for the like next two years until it went off the air in 1997. And um, so I like caught the Rainbow Crystal arc, like I don't know how many times. So like to this day, like I, th- I think it, like the Rainbow Crystal arc is like synonymous with like my experience of Sailor Moon. I think that's a good arc to to relate to the show because I I think it encapsulates a lot of the the series best uh, moments and ideas. Um, yeah, kind of kind of talking about what you were saying with it also you know appealing to adults. I think that's also the arc where they really kind of start to dig into these ideas of you know these are fourteen year olds who are trying to grow up and going through adolescence and you know using the Sailor Moon universe as kind of a grand metaphor for different different issues you might face you know. Uh, as you're going through that that kind of in-between uh, phase, um, which is probably just my long-winded way of getting us to talk about Ami and Rio, who I love. <laughs> Rio Rio's a nice boy, and it's kind of you know, it's kind of too bad he dropped right off the face of the planet while Yuichiro got to come back. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like I like Teddy too, but sorry, I call him Teddy because Yuichiro took too long to type, and uh, his last name is Kumada. And Kuma means bear, so I nicknamed him Teddy. <laughs> I, you know what? The the deep it part of my brain wants to say that that's actually what the dub called him, but I can't remember. I'm pretty oh, sure that was just it was, me. His uh, his his Deke dub name was Chad. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, Teddy is better. I just let's just Teddy is better. Um, I I kind of enjoyed him, um, not nearly as much as Rio. I Rio and Ami's episodes I really enjoy because I think they. I think with Usagi, you have this idea of, you know, um, a kid realizing there's a world bigger than just them and figuring out, um, you know, how to take responsibility for their actions and uh, stand up for other people. And Usagi's pretty much always been compassionate, but she does have these sort of moments of, of selfishness along the way as well. Mm. Um, but with Ami, I think, and, and uh, her episodes with Rio, I think you have kind of the, almost the opposite of that, which you tend to find more, I think, in older teens but Ami's pretty mature so it tracks that she would be going through this sooner Mm -hmm. um this idea of like you do become aware of others and then you kind of overcorrect and start you know you kind of develop almost a martyr syndrome uh there's a two-part episode later down the road not two parts sorry there's two episodes back to back later down the stretch where they really I think dig into this with um Rio trying to like sacrifice himself and Ami's like well wouldn't it be better to you know try to fight and stay alive like that seems like a better idea than being so selfless that you you know destroy yourself in the process and then it's followed up by the 
the very good Venus episode where you find out some of her backstory with the folks from London. Yeah. And she kind of does the same thing where she like fakes her own death because she just thinks their lives will be easier without her around. Um, and it turns out that's not the case. They were very sad and they finally get a chance to kind of be honest with each other and work things out. And I think Sailor Moon hits those points very well. I, I, I this was actually the first time I'd seen that Monaco episode because it never mm-hmm. got dubbed. Um, it was just skipped over for some reason. Um, but I feel like Monaco kind of gets the short end of the stick in this first season because there's so little time to develop her yeah. before the plot starts happening. Mm-hmm. But that episode, you know, builds builds a character for her so well and really sells her as this, you know, kind of mature and, and thoughtful kid. And it, it's a little awkward in terms of like, like she's talking to this 20 something year old senpai who's telling her like, I had no, I, I thought you were still a kid. I had no idea you were so grown. No, she's, She's still a kid with a crush on her adult co-worker, sweetie. You, you were fine. But, but like, the sentiment is there. <laughs> Which I guess we should we should touch a little bit about on kind of the, the couple shaggy, awkward moments that haven't aged so well. As much as this is still a very good show. I feel like the wedding episodes in general are good to point out. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more. <laughs> um, you know, just, uh, I was specifically thinking of Gosh, I think it's, I think it's a Jadeite episode. The the wedding dress one early on, we're like, well, obviously all girls it's want to get married. It's a episode. Yeah. Uh, the worst episodes mm-hmm. are in the Nephrite arc. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you can tell because no, it's I, very I know the boring. one you mean. That that episode, yeah, that episode irritated me as well. Um, and meanwhile, Ami's in the background, like, I'm not really interested in any of this, but y'all have fun. <laughs> and I felt for Ami real real hard there. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the the moment where I went, uh-oh, was when they dropped the first four episodes of Sailor Moon. And thankfully, this ended up being more of an aberration than a trend. Mm. Uh, the fourth episode is the one where they all decide they need to lose weight. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. For their boyfriends, yeah. for the most part. Not like, oh, you know, I feel like I should, you know, be healthier. It's something I want to do for myself. It's like, oh, no, it's so I'll get a boyfriend. Uh that was a rough oh, yeah. one. That made me very concerned in that in that first stretch of episodes. There's and there's little things like it's it's kind of just it, it's not really I think actively toxic just so much as like all right, this is not what I would choose to focus on right now. We're like um where Usagi is having that really all is lost moment at the very end of the series and she's like I I can't kiss you now because all my friends died before they got to kiss the boys they liked. And I'm like, "Okay, fine." all those very memorable boys that they had i think i mean i think the 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 episode four like actually i think the deke dub did a better job with it than you know the original or maybe even the viz dub i would say uh Mm -hmm. just because there's just weird things that go on like you know one of the girls they have a little powwow and she says like you know every time i have a boyfriend like i lose weight and the other girls like but you don't have a or you're not in love right now. You don't have a boyfriend. And they, like, start fighting. And then, like, there's there's another girl in that group where she's, like, kind of chubby. And, like, she's talking about how, like, it's kind of hard to lose weight. And, like, everybody in the, else in the scene are, like, they don't take her seriously. So, uh, but, you know, out of, you know, I think it's a good, if there's one bad apple out of 46 episodes, I mean, it's easy to ignore. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think there's like one or two clunkers basically every season, but for the most part, the episodes are either, you know, real good or mostly good, like you know, good at heart. Yeah, which is impressive for a show that is now, 
uh, to twenty five, twenty five years old. I think so. We're yeah, that's on twenty twenty six now. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. Again, I was impressed at how well it held up, kind of all around. Like even the animation, I thought was pretty solid for the you know, um, uh, I, I for the time. But the story arcs tend to work pretty well, and the characters are all great and i you know even got into some of the goofy little romances that which i think sailor Moon does friendship stories better than romances but uh i still got into some of them i again i'm like one of three people who ship ami and rio they're nice kids they're nice they kids. Are. i mean i ship ami and makoto too don't get me wrong um they're i can nice i can have kids. multiple ships but <laughs> I, I was you. one of my i think one of my biggest kind of critiques or maybe just things i'm a little bummed about with sailor moon is how sometimes when they start a new season they kind of hit a reboot button uh, yeah. mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and you lose there's they build up this really fun cast of supporting characters in this first season and with the exception of like matoki still shows up naru and umino are still there um we haven't talked about umino at all but i have some sympathy for that awkward turtle uh <laughs> he and tries. And, and Teddy. Sorry, Yuichiro. I'm just going to call him Teddy. I'm sorry, That's folks. fine. <laughs> um, like, they continue to show up for the next few seasons, but, like, a lot of these other little, like, supporting characters, like, I'm not sure. I don't think Motoki's girlfriend gets mentioned again. Which bums me um, out. She's so cool. Her, God, we haven't talked about her episode. Her episode is great. Because mm-hmm. the whole the whole thing is, like, um, she's trying to decide whether she should choose between her career or her romance. And, and then it's like, actually, you can have both. Congrats. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really and Matoki good. Is, and Matoki spends the whole episode like vigorously supporting her career goals. Um, it's not like he wants her to stay and she wants to go. It's like she kind of doesn't want to break up with him, and he's like, "No, you should follow your dreams." It's just it's a good episode, you guys. It's it's real good. It's it's also a, it's also a Rainbow Crystal episode. <laughs> Surprisingly, shock. Uh, yeah, I think like uh like the this first season of Sailor Moon really leans into like like it's an action comedy. Like the the faces that Usagi has, like there's 10 bazillion gifs out there of all the faces that the mm-hmm. silly faces that Usagi makes. So like I think if you like comedy and if you like action, like the first season of Sailor Moon is your jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love This series face game is extremely strong. Mm-hmm. I love the the kind of soft roundness of it and the bright colors and the real and the goofiness of, you know, both the facial expressions and just kind of like the springy body animation. Like it, it looks good. It chose a style and stuck with it and it, with kind of some room to like uh, to to play the who's that animator mm-hmm. from episode to episode, which is which is nice. That's a nice element of 90s anime that I like. Yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's fun how the the style will there's and gosh i should look up the animators because i used to know some of these and i've kind of forgotten them over the years but um the sort of you know kind of round um soft uh features you were talking about there's one one of their lead animators that was very much i think it's i think it's a she i think it was very much kind of her style and so you can always kind of spot her episodes by that sort of softer look that the characters get Mm -hmm. um and they tend to tend to be some of the better ones too so i always appreciated that so so i have some good news so so Mm -hmm. for sailor moon crystal the the next uh the dream arc uh they're gonna make two movies and they actually brought on the original character designer of sailor moon for the anime um her name is uh kazuko tadano and um so i'll that'll be really interesting to see what she does 
Um, Because I know some Mm -hmm. people have, there's various opinions about the style of Sailor Moon Crystal. So hopefully that kind of softer style will come back. Yeah, I hadn't. Uh, I hadn't realized they were. That's that's how they were going to handle the the dream art. We're super asked for folks who have just seen the nineties yes. anime. Um, yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how the how the characters um, translate to the new style. I do. I do like that they've been willing with Crystal to kind of take feedback and play with things because I would say that the what what what's the art called in the manga? I'm calling it S in my head, but it's um, Deathbusters. I guess. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, the Deathbusters arc, um, that they were willing to kind of go in and, and change up some stuff, and they, you know, they, they, they shifted the character designs and made them, they kind of softened them and made them easier to animate. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it got all the way up so to be... okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's cool that they, they brought back the original. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how that goes. Interesting to see what yeah. she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, Should we talk about the ending of this season? Because yeah. it's a little, it's a lot, and then it's kind of like, what? On, on the one hand, like, if this had just been a standalone series, I think it would have been a good ending. As one that leads into other seasons, it kind of bums me out, because like you said, it hits that reset button after all that good, good development, and it's what makes R kind of a slog mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, well... I guess maybe I should wait until we get into R to actually talk about this. I really like the first 13 episodes of R. I like that filler arc they did uh, quite a bit. Um, it's the it's the Black Moon stuff that I that I struggle with a bit. Yeah, um, fair. Fair. But this was one of those, the ending of this season was, and again, I can't, it must have been devastating to watch on TV because you didn't know how many episodes there were. So you get to this, this big finale where they're slogging through the snow and the scouts just start heroically dying. Um... Did that destroy you guys as kids? Or well, it was it was very heavily edited. Yeah. Um, for the for the US TV release, like they didn't they did everything they uh, first of all they edited it down from two episodes to one episode, mm-hmm. like a one episode finale, and they also wow. did everything they could to imply that no 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 the girls aren't dead they've just given their power to Usagi yeah that's the ticket they're just sleeping real real yeah <laughs> yeah so it's. Like it still, it still has that build of the hero must go on alone, but all her friends are with her. But it definitely lacks the the emotional punch of the actual episode. I, you know, I would have to say, even from watching, you know, the Deke dub years ago as a kid, like that was like probably, if not my my favorite of all time ending to a series or ser- or season. Like it's it's in that top ten, like out of all the TV shows in existence. Like, I think the whole idea of, like, you know, picking them off one by one was just devastating. And then, like, coming into the Viz dub, like, I didn't realize that they had cut out so much of the kind of fight between Sailor Moon and Evil and Demian. Like, it Mm -hmm. is brutal. Like, absolutely Mm -hmm. brutal. He kicks the crap out of her. I, I was like watching it today and I just I just had to take a moment because I was so like emotionally invested in and those I would say the last four episodes are kind of like I would consider like the kind of final chunk but the you know the final two are mm-hmm. incredibly brutal emotionally <laughs> I, they're very intense and I'm watching them like oh it's fine I mean I know they'll be back there's like 150 more episodes it'll be fine and I still got to a point where um 
Well, they killed off my two favorites, like, right off the bat. And I was like, oh, those were very fitting deaths for them. I'm sure they'll be fine, but I'm a little upset. Mm-hmm. And then they murdered the rest of them. I was like, shit, this is, this is a little rough. And then, especially when Usagi doesn't feel like she can go on. And then they brought in ghosts. And here's the thing. If you want to get me, you bring, you bring in some ghosts telling you that they're with <laughs> yeah. you and that their power will be your power, too. And then and that's the, they got me. I was like, this is not fair. This is cheating. I, I know they're going to be fine, and I'm still upset. It's a so. I, 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 it's very well done. I, I do always kind of laugh at the thought of the finale because I just remember myself in, like, fifth grade working on one of those IMAX with the pretty colors and, like, furiously putting together this PowerPoint of how, how edgy actually the original anime was and they all died. <laughs> and I don't know who yes. I was going to show this yes. to, but I just kept putting that is the, That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Not like, not like those lame American cartoons. <laughs> Look at how God. edgy it is. <laughs> No, that sounds that sounds par for the course. Uh, I wasn't doing that with Sailor Moon, but I was definitely doing it with anime. Yes. Uh, so that tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, the ending was was very intense and emotionally resonant, and I think kind of builds up to that idea of um, first of all that almost quintessential shoujo idea that I just love, which is the concept of um, teamwork and and friendship and like emotional bonds being being their own form of power. And so, you know, Usagi's able to save the day, not just because she is able to go on, but because, you know, she has these people who supported her and loved her. And so they they kind of help her spiritually and emotionally uh, in that in that final stretch. Um, I, I really don't care. I got, I was very irritated that they then went, and then they all survived somehow, and they don't have memories. It's fine. Uh, but up until that point, I thought it was, I thought it was excellent. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would agree with you that it was, it was devastating. I think, I think it's like kind of unclear and having kind of like watched this over and over again, like, like basically what happens is that like Usagi uses the silver crystal and when she's using it, she makes a wish. And so she says like, I just want to be a normal, you know, kid again. And so basically that wish is what happens is that like they become normal girls again, they're reincarnated reincarnated and stuff like that like because a lot of people are kind of like you know like she was supposed to die like you know queen serenity her mother like totally kicked the can when she did the same thing eons ago and i think i think yeah i don't think it's like necessarily that clear but uh you know usagi's wish is what kind of like saves everything at the end at the very end Mm -hmm. yeah Oh yeah, just just a little eye rolly in terms of, and they were reborn at exactly the same age and exactly the same time, and nothing has changed, and we don't have to write the theoretical future. Whew. Well, and at that point, they weren't sure they were going to get another season, right? So they were kind of trying to write an ending. So, so uh, a piece of trivia is like they didn't. It was always meant to be one season. Like when Na- Naoko Takeuchi was writing this, she always meant this was going to just be a, like kind of basically a one shot. Um, but then once the Crescent Moon won, the Moonstick started selling kind of like half, you know, halfway to, towards the end of the series. That's when they got greenlit for another season. That good, good oh, yeah. merchandise <laughs> keeps your, which I mean, it kept a good series alive. So I am, I'm not, I guess, hooray for capitalism. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I want one of those makeup compacts. <laughs> Oh, I, uh, so growing up, my parents didn't really buy me a lot of stuff in regards to Sailor Moon, but now that I'm an adult with my own money, oh, I am buying all the merchandise. Like, it's, it's, it's a good, I'm having a good time. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. 
No, what what better way to to be a grown up than to buy the stuff you exactly. wanted uh, when you were a kid? I know I'm gonna be going uh, wild when I go to I'm going to Japan in a few <gasps> weeks, and I will be I will be coming back with probably two suitcases where I only left with one. Oh heck yes, <laughs> so, yes. I'm very excited. Um, so anybody, so any final thoughts you want to bring about this season? Did did we say enough about Rhett Butler? Because <laughs> I know we mentioned how good he was, but did you want to dive into how good Rhett Butler? Is? I mean, he's very good in Artemis's substandard comparatively. <laughs> I feel like I can say. I I I'm not gonna lie. I spent the rest of the season just pretending Luna and Rhett Butler were in a relationship. <laughs> I was like, Artemis, good try, buddy, but she's already in a committed relationship with Rhett Butler, and they're very much in love. You just don't see it on screen. It's it's there though. Just, trust me. You know, watching that episode again, I was just like, who makes TV like this anymore? Like, I I miss this good stuff. Like, nobody like does a whole episode about animated cats anymore. Like, like, like it's a great episode. Ugh. It has a deliciously like wacky Saturday morning cartoon feel to it. Um, yes, just in terms of the animation, in terms of the way the story goes. When Rhett Butler flings down a fishbone. And the tuxedo mask Spanish guitars play in the background. It's one of the best, like, comedic moments in the entire series. That's true. Um, and Zoicide and the Rats. Oh, God, oh, God yes! Zoicide and the Rats. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, and, and then, a bad day. And then I think Red is the only monster that, like, well, Rio tries and then kind of gets his, his, his free will overridden. But I think Red's the only monster that, like, they turn him into a monster. Like, attack the scouts. And he's like, nah. <laughs> nah, I'm a cat, man. <laughs> and ends up helping them out. Because he loves Luna so much. Oh. It's cute. Oh, it's also, good. I had a big fat cat at the time, and so uh, Rhett Butler gives me gives me warm fuzzies about the big fat cat I had. Um, so there's also that. Anyway, sorry, we promised that we would talk about the Rhett Butler episode, so I thought we should probably get that in there. At Fair. Some point. It's very like if if you go back to no other episodes of this show, that one though. Yes. Yes. That again, that whole Rainbow Crystal arc. Like you can rewatch that whole arc and have a, and it's it's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, basically anything with my boy in it, it's a solid entertainment value. <laughs> I wouldn't say this is Sailor Moon at its very, very best, but I do think the second half of it is um, is up there and provides kind of hints and glimmers of, of where the show is going to go and what it's going to be. Um, so I, I, again, the first half I think can be a little bit of a slog, especially as, a, as an adult watching it mm-hmm. nowadays. Um, but the second half is excellent, and I would, you know, definitely recommend it to to people even even now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and you can if you are in the U.S., you can watch it all on Hulu. I don't know about other uh, about other regions. Yeah, I'm not sure either. So uh, check with your local providers. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And we'll come back to talk about the other seasons uh, as well. Don't worry, we're not gonna leave you hanging. It, Maybe a little bit. I need to rewatch some stuff. <laughs> there are a lot of episodes. Exactly. Yeah. So. It's a lot of episodes, and I haven't done a proper watch since I was a kid. So it'll be fun. But uh, thank yeah. But look forward to it when we do come back. It'll be the same three of us. And uh, thanks so much for joining us, Anafam. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find more episodes of on our SoundCloud by searching for Anime Feminist. Or if you want to see more of what we do in text form, uh, you can go to animefeminist.com uh, or patreon.com slash animefeminist. That's what pays the bills. Uh, that's how we're able to pay all of our contributors and editors. And even a dollar a month can help. Uh, we're, you know, 
breaking even now, but we want to be able to expand out to do more to pay our contributors more, to be able to pay for uh, people to uh, transcribe these podcasts, to make our site more accessible for you. So any support is really appreciated. You can also find us on social media on facebook.com slash animefem, on tumblr.com slash animefeminist, or animefeminist.tumblr.com, uh, or on Twitter at animefeminist. Thank you so much, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.